Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number one for Monday, 6th of August, 2018. My name is Pixel Riffs, but my friends call me Johnny, and joining me, as always, is my good friend Joel Duggan. Joel, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, my friend, and I like that it's, as always, on episode one. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> it's establishing, start, starting as we mean to continue, I suppose. Right, you know, like dress for success sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> well, this podcast still has that new podcast smell, and it is something that I thoroughly enjoy. Oh, but we should too. probably take a minute and tell everybody what we're planning on doing here. Exactly. So, if it wasn't clear from the art, the description, and the title, this is a podcast about Minecraft. Now, uh, we both kind of done bits and pieces of podcasts. Joel has had a long-running series of podcasts for a while, including things like the Citadel Cafe and Comics Coast to Coast. But we've been talking about it for a while, and we've thought now would be the ideal time to start a podcast about. Minecraft, which is one of our shared passions, I guess you could say. Uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about the Java edition of Minecraft, because that's what we both play on a regular basis. But we uh, we might dip into some topics around the other editions of Minecraft. So, you know, the console edition and Minecraft Pocket edition, which is now generally speaking, called Minecraft. I feel like the Java edition has been kind of segued off into this is specifically Java edition and everything else is just Minecraft now. But we're going to be talking about Minecraft as a whole occasionally and the community or nay, the worldwide phenomenon <laughs> that Minecraft <laughs> has created yeah. around itself. But I figured we would kick off just uh, to have a quick chat about what we've been doing on our respective servers, because Joel and I both play on separate Minecraft servers. Yours is the Citadel, mine is decidedly vanilla. So uh, what have you been up to? So I had a fun but unfortunately fruitless night last night. Uh, I had uh, updated one of my mapping tools, actually something we can talk about later, mm -hmm. uh, and I thought I spotted three ocean monuments all within loading distance of one another okay and I, my my fingers started to drum together like <laughs> yes now do i necessarily believe this java app that tells me that these things are within 200 blocks so i put on my elytra and i flew eight thousand blocks away wow. from our current development yeah uh i found them unfortunately i think maybe two of them are close enough together that you could you could find a, a midpoint and mm -hmm. activate them uh, unfortunately, all three, I don't believe, are within the 128 block radius. Uh, now, yeah, yeah, I'm also not even sure if it would even work or be worth it because they are, they don't operate the same as other kind of mob spawning stuff. So you, there's a lot of math and a lot of, of research I'd have to do. But it was it was just fun for a change to not build anything, to not dig anything, to not mm -hmm. mine anything, and just fly around and look around at the new world generation and it was it was really cool ocean monuments look fantastic now oh with they the do with, with all the seagrass and kelp growing on them and everything yeah. it's i feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. that that's sort of the vision they had for them originally when they first introduced them back in oh minecraft 1.8 i guess it was and yeah, and so now too. in in 1.13 they are they they've reached their kind of peak in terms of their appearance they look they look fantastic well uh, on my server on on decidedly vanilla I have not even built a starter house yet, so this kind of shows the the contrast for me between the two of us right now, at least. Because your <laughs> your your server was actually it's actually been updated and continued on with the same world, the same map from correct one point twelve yeah. to one point thirteen. Whereas on decidedly vanilla, we decided to completely reset our server for one point thirteen, and we've all got new bases and we've all just kind of been working 
to, to get our tools and stuff set up and get everything the way we want it. So I have settled on a mushroom island. I have built a sugarcane farm before I've even built a house. But lovely, the, the, the lovely thing about mushroom islands is that natural mob spawning does not happen. So you, you don't get monsters coming out at night, with the exception of phantoms, which, again, I will talk about later in the podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, for the most part, stuff leaves you alone on a mushroom island. So I've been slowly converting the whole thing into grass establishing a build style, taking my time and working out what I want to do with the space instead of erecting a shelter to make sure that I don't get killed every night. So yeah, I am I am in the process of drafting together ideas for where I actually want to live in this Minecraft world, but uh, it's coming together. It's it's always coming together. Yeah, and I think that as as things march forward, we're just going to end up with more and more to talk about as, you know, your world develops and you're experiencing the new uh, release. And as I am running around and fixing a bunch of stuff <laughs> yes. that happened yeah, exactly. with, with the new release. But before we get into all that, uh, I thought that uh, we could hit on a couple of news points that have been recent. Uh, obviously, 1.13 update Aquatic coming out is the big one. And we're going to talk mm. about that later. Yes. Uh, but uh, this week, there was a new snapshot released. Uh, and you can get that information on Minecraft.net. And I thought it would be nice just to kind of highlight a couple of things. I'm not going to read through all of those. We'll have a link available for people to to go find that uh but for me the the biggest uh points that stuck out in terms of new highlights were uh optimized performance because oh, i'm not sure if you noticed yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yeah the uh the 1.13 update has almost universally been discovered to have a lot of stuff that slows down performance both for servers and for clients the big thing i think is changes to water so a lot of people have pointed mm -hmm. out that if you have a bunch of like water flowing which is essential for things like large scale mob farms you know a bunch of the technical minecrafters we've been watching have experienced this problem having lots of water running at once kind of breaks your server a little bit. So optimization yeah. cannot come soon enough as far as I'm concerned. And it's the same with, uh, I think, tree and leaf blocks. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they're they constantly looking for how close they are to a to a log block. Yes. So all, all of those updates. You, and, yeah, so if you're if you're turning on and off water or if you're chopping down trees, all of a sudden you're it's and your frame rate stays the same. It's just that the block lag on a on a server just kind of goes to to poo, really. Yeah. Um the other thing was uh bone meal in warm biomes now has a chance to grow coral, uh, which I thought was really cool. Mm. I, I don't know whether you have to bone meal the coral block or whether you can just bone meal anywhere. I have seen this uh, in action and you just oh, okay. you just bone meal the, the ocean floor, like the sand or gravel uh. or whatever that's growing down there or dirt, and it will grow it doesn't grow the coral blocks. It only grows no. coral fans and tubes and the kind of the things that you just shear off the side of regular coral right. blocks. The my, decorative stuff. My hope is that they will eventually add a crafting recipe so you can farm the coral blocks because they are beautiful and uh, yes. would be really nice to have as a renewable resource because otherwise you're just dismantling an entire coral reef to get your hands on the blocks for builds i and that's kind I know of a shame what you mean. I, I had that battle i had that battle sitting on the ocean floor looking at this beautiful coral reef, coral reef thinking i want to take this home yeah. <laughs> but i don't want to destroy the whole thing yes thankfully the one that we found in our surfer is huge mm. so we can we can mine out a, a fair chunk of it and it's really not going to affect much which is nice uh, and the other point uh, that stuck out to me on the update, uh, or the excuse me, the snapshot, not the update, squids now only spawn in rivers and oceans. And, and that yes. is going to break some people's farms. Yes, everybody who has built a squid farm out in the middle of the desert with no water around just goes, 
<sighs> now to rebuild <laughs> that somewhere where there's water. But yeah, I've done a little bit of looking into this and you can definitely find river biomes running through places like deserts. And yes. in fact, you can find river biomes running through pretty much every biome. And now you don't have to worry about the little ponds and pockets of water and any water you've placed elsewhere in mm -hmm. that surrounding environment. You can convert any river into a squid farm now. As long as it's a decent distance from an ocean so you don't get them spawning there, you have actually got more choice rather than less for how you start a squid farm. The only thing that really matters is finding a decent river space in which to do it. Yeah, just the existing squid farm thing is now is now a problem. Because we have yeah. one in the middle of our community and it, it didn't take a long time, but it was something that I researched extensively mm -hmm. and it was quite happy with it because it's, it's like a, it's like it's in the middle of a lake so it works really, really well because there's nothing else around. And then there's a fountain that spews out the, the ink sacs. <laughs> and it was just really squid cool. Squid fountain, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that the, of course, the, the update broke the fountain. But I didn't realize that the snapshot that's coming was also going to break the farm. So, well, now at least I won't waste any time fixing the fountain because the whole thing is probably just going to have to move. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, bug fixes worth mentioning are iron golems spawning in air blocks. This is what broke my iron farm. So I'm glad <laughs> to see this because I actually fixing my iron farm would be a lot of work. So yeah. I think I might hold off and just see what happens. It's always a bit uh, of a, a bit of a, a kind of weighing game between whether or not you wait for them to fix a bug or you decide they're not going to fix the bug. So I need to completely remodel something I've already done. Mm -hmm. And it seems like yeah. waiting is paying off in this case. Yeah, I just don't I'm not familiar enough with snapshots in terms of how quickly this 18w31a snapshot will actually make it into 1.13 like does that take months does that take weeks it, I, it really are varies. you familiar with that i mean it, yeah when, when there have been updates in the past i've usually tried to push them out relatively quickly and when it's just little tweaks to the established features rather than introducing whole new features in and of itself then generally speaking they didn't really put out snapshots all that often but since I think the performance aspects and stuff and the feedback they've got from 1.13 has been so vocal. I think maybe they need to kind of assure people that there is something in the works and have people test the optimizations to make sure that stuff is going mm. ahead as planned. So we can probably expect 1.13.1 in the next month or so, I would guess, but I'm absolutely no authority on this kind of thing. So yeah, li listeners do not take my word as gospel. It is it is not going to steer you correctly 100% of the time. <laughs> Uh, lastly, all redstone components can become stuck in a powered state when indirectly powered. Now, this is one of many, many bug fixes that they listed for, for redstone. Mm -hmm. uh, no need to get into them all here. Uh, but it sounds like maybe not you and I being affected, but some of the people that are very heavy into redstone, you know, like, uh, um, uh, Il Mango and, and the people that do the really yes. heavy, very compact thing. Any of the Psycraft I, guys, yeah. Psycraft, yes, that's the server I was trying to think of. Um, so this would be something that they would be like, oh, okay, good, because I would imagine that having things so close together where they're like bud powering or, or indirectly powered would really be a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. uh, so so this the, the fact that Moyang is aware of this and they're going to be fixing that is, is good news for, for everybody. But that's really the, the highlights from, from 18w.31a. Mm-hmm. And so there is a little bit of other news floating around on Minecraft.net that we thought was worth taking a look at. There's a couple of things here. Specifically, uh, there's, there's been a little bit of Minecraft movement in terms of media out there. There is an Adventure Time crossover episode 
with Minecraft, which is called, I believe, Diamonds and Lemons, <laughs> which yes. I thought was yeah. uh, quite quite a neat title. Have you checked out the trailer for this? Have you actually watched the... I, I have. I've seen the trailer, and I'm, I have to confess, I am not usually a Adventure Time uh, fan. Neither am I. I tried... I mean, I tried getting into it when it first came out and it wasn't my thing. I didn't really give it more than a few episodes. So I find these days with new series, you often have to give them four to five to yeah. kind of really get yourself in the group. Especially when it's kind of a shorter format show. Like Adventure Time is kind of not that long. It's not like you're committed to sitting down for a, a whole thing. Same with shows like, I guess, Steven Universe. They're like 11 or 12 minute episodes, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, the other thing is I don't have cable, so I don't have really easy access to Adventure Time. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm in Canada, so even Netflix has got limited, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, uh, scope in terms of what copyright stuff they can show on there. Uh, so I don't have an easy way to watch it. But I watched the trailer, and I, I have to say, they got a good chuckle out of me. There is the, the way that they address the Minecraft references and they the article on minecraft.net goes into this with the interview that they did with the the director but it's not like they make Minecraft joke after Minecraft joke like it's there it's just an adventure time episode set in Minecraft yeah and they're talking about the world as if it's totally normal and this is totally every day and they make a crack about fireworks and I like I really laughed it was it was mm -hmm. really quite good uh, and, and so I think they write, they might have the right, the right balance. Uh, I also enjoyed the look. I'm not a big fan of, of adventure time art as well It's probably one of the reasons why I don't watch it, but they, the way that they kind of smashed the blocky cubey look of Minecraft with the current aesthetic of adventure time, the character designs were done by uh, an artist by the name of Joe Sparrow. And they've got some of those design sheets on the article on minecraft.net. And it's, it's really cool looking. It's, mm -hmm. it's got this really nice nod to Minecraft, but also unmistakably adventure time at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And I think that's the difficult thing whenever you're adapting something like Minecraft. And this has happened more, more often, actually. I, I think um, Rick and Morty did a Minecraft episode at one point, which is kind of on the other end of the scale cartoon wise from Adventure Time uh, in yeah. terms of like the type of the type of humor they're going for. It's a lot more adult of a show and kind of maybe the references they were making would appeal a little bit more to the adult side of things, whereas kids are going to be watching Adventure Time, even though it's, I think, perfectly enjoyable for anybody who's, you know, it's, it's like a family show almost. It's got that yes, kind of... Yeah. That offbeat yeah. humor that will like appeal to kids just because of how random it is, but occurs to adults to, you know, they, they like that kind of absurd thing. The thing I find really difficult as somebody who is <laughs> almost painfully into Minecraft, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's something, <laughs> it's something that I, I, I struggle with my, my nerd kind of brain about is that they don't always treat Minecraft stuff the way Minecraft itself works. And like you said, they, they're kind of, they're taking, minecraft and using it as the setting for an episode of adventure time so obviously they're going to mess around with stuff but in this they've got skeletons building a house for you and i'm like in my head i'm just going that's not how skeletons work that's not how you don't <laughs> use skeletons like that yeah. and I, I just have to kind of stop myself and go no suspend your disbelief it's fine it's a it's a cartoon show but the thing that redeemed it for me was that they got the crafting recipe right for the firework that they make in that little trailer they oh, they, nice. they put together he's uh, finn has a diamond and he's like, this is full of potential. I don't know what to do with it. I want to turn it into something extra impressive that's going to impress Jake. And then they kind of suggest a couple of things. And I think it's Princess Bubblegum. I'm not that familiar with the show. Like, like you say, I don't, I I don't really... I think you're right. She's the pink one. I she's think, the pink yeah. one. Yeah, the, the pink one uh, crafts a <laughs> firework in a crafting table. So you see the, the familiar three by three interface and she's placing items in the spot they're supposed to go. 
and she makes a firework star and does it right. Like the recipe is actually one that works in Minecraft. And that's the thing that bugs me the most when they adapt stuff like this, because even the official Minecraft card game, because it's got a limited number of cards for like the resources you have, has some recipes in it that do not exist in the playable game of Minecraft. And that that is the stuff that bugs me. It's like when they're making a stone pickaxe with smooth stone instead of cobblestone, I'm like, there's just it just feels fundamentally wrong. So the fact the fact that they got a crafting recipe right in this cartoon adaptation just it, it makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's just one of those things really. Just my my little Minecraft nerd brain gets fired off by stuff like that. So um is this out already? Where can people watch it if it is? Uh it was released on July twentieth uh-huh. uh, this year, twenty eighteen. So as far as watching it, I'd imagine you can probably find it on on YouTube, uh Cartoon Network. Uh, would be the way it would place to watch it. So I'm unfamiliar if Cartoon Network has a streaming service mm-hmm. uh, or what streaming service they might be associated with. I think a lot of times what happens with these shows, they end up on a specific service, whether it's Hulu, Netflix, etc. Yeah, and, and so, some places even like have websites where you can go back and watch it. Like I know Nickelodeon used to host old episodes of right. like Legend of Korra and stuff was was online. So I imagine there are a bunch of places that people can find it, especially if you're in the right region and it was released kind of day and date with you guys. So yeah, that's that's exciting. Another piece of Minecraft media news is that the Minecraft movie has been delayed. And if you weren't really excited about the Minecraft movie before, then this probably isn't going to be all that interesting for you because I feel like yeah, the 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 adaptation for like a cartoon kind of doing a crossover episode is one thing, but I'm still not entirely sold on the idea of them making a movie in Minecraft. Having said that, the Lego movies were pretty good. So yes, a little bit of faith in that, but it's been delayed by the departure of Rob McElhenney. I'm not sure quite how to pronounce his name, but he is the guy who is known for playing and uh, playing a character in and writing, co-creating. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. So very, oh, okay. very funny dude was set to direct the Minecraft movie, but has now dropped out. Uh, the reasons weren't stated in the article that I read, uh, but the writing duties have been taken over by the Knee Brothers. Uh, who wrote a 2015 indie film called Band of Robbers and are also attached to write and or direct the uh, Masters of the Universe movie that's coming out next year. So this has delayed the Minecraft movie until I think 2020 or beyond. So we're not going to be seeing the Minecraft movie anytime soon, but it's gone through a bit of that kind of development hell kind of thing where evidently they're trying to get this right. They're trying to get something that will appeal to everybody and video game movies are notorious for not being successful so they're they're banking a lot of you know (laughs) a lot of stuff a a lot of thought is presumably going into making this one something of a success so we'll have to see what effect that has yeah this came up in my discord yesterday Mm -hmm. uh uh, maccast actually dropped a line and said hey so this has been delayed and his his response was this was even a thing yeah (laughs) exactly i didn't realize this was happening and my response was like well they made an angry birds movie and arguably (laughs) minecraft has a lot more content and story just on the outset than angry birds does yes so if if they can do that, then I mean I'm sure Minecraft as a movie is something that would appeal to a lot of people. I you'd also get the nostalgia of by the time the Minecraft movie comes out, the people that have been playing Minecraft for the eight years that it's been out are now kind of in their early twenties, mm-hmm. you know, with with disposable income and will totally go see a Minecraft movie, regardless of what people say. They'll just they're just out of curiosity, they'll probably end up going seeing it. Yeah. And um, and if if I if I start to see some positive buzz about it, I think I'll probably 
consider it at the time. It's not something that I would necessarily leap out to the cinema and go and see, but exactly. I think it's it's got some potential in the right hands. So hopefully it's now mm-hmm. in the right hands. And yeah, if like like you say, if they can make a movie about emojis, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, but best, it is Patrick best Stewart forgotten to be in it. <laughs> it is it is best forgotten. Yes. Yeah. Um, now the real the real kind of under uh, sleeper hit here for me is like they're making a new Masters of the Universe movie. I didn't <laughs> yes. know this. I have some Googling to do after yes, the show pr- today. Pro- probably to be discussed on a future episode of the Citadel Cafe. But uh, <laughs> You know it. Yes. Holy crap. In in other news, uh, the Amidst program, which people use as a map overviewer program to generate kind of an overview of a world seed in Minecraft before you actually load it up in your Minecraft client, uh, is now available for 1.13 in a kind of beta form. So the problem with the existing map tools is that every time Minecraft updates its world generation, so if new biomes start to spawn, if new objects start spawning in the world, then older mapping software cannot find these things or it, it generates the terrain in a different way because of mm. how terrain generation has evolved over time. So the fact that we can now use a mapping tool to find where things like giant iceberg biomes are going to be and and anything that's kind of changed about ocean generation there's going to be a kelp forest here a warm ocean a cold ocean things that you need to be able to find to gather specific resources like the coral reefs we were talking about earlier then that's going to be very very crucial in the upcoming sort of weeks and months as it reaches its full release and i can imagine a lot of people are if not, if they haven't reset their servers already, then they are going to want to fairly soon. So having a map overviewer for that kind of thing is going to be really useful. This is this is the thing that I I used last night to find those ocean monuments. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I was I was messing around. The only thing that I I find um, I want to say bad, but it's curious, I guess, about the amidst mapping program. The colors that they choose to represent different biomes and stuff, specifically land biomes is very odd to me. Yeah. Some things make total sense. Deserts look like sand. Mesas look like, you know, red clay. Mm-hmm. But swamps are like neon blue. And <laughs> you would think that blue would be where you would find the ice biomes. Yes. Or the, you know, that kind of stuff. The kind of color so range I, of colors, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, I, the the it, they could use some, some color updates, I think, to make things look a little bit more like the game so that as you're cruising around you don't necessarily have to mouse over everything to find out what it is you can just be like oh that looks like a jungle and that looks like a mesa and so i mean like i said some stuff is is as you think it would be like a savannah is instantly recognizable but Mm -hmm. um especially when they get into the ocean stuff it's just different variants of blue yeah so there's no real indication as to which one is warm and cool and deep and all that kind of stuff but it seems like um, the but kind of, it's a handy tool seems like the kind of thing that could benefit from user customization a little bit i'm not that familiar with amidst myself so i don't know the ins oh, and outs yeah. of the program but yeah just being able to set your own colors for those biomes so you're not you know having to adhere to whatever amidst has by default that seems kind of yeah. it, it'll make it a lot more intuitive and kind of accessible to people as well because i know some people who are colorblind and find like colorblind accessibility settings in video games and yeah. kind of the associated paraphernalia of video games really useful so yeah I, f- I feel like if they could add something in that would help you find biomes a little bit easier by setting the colors for what you wanted to find you can you know have mm-hmm. a have a mushroom island that's like bright pink and sticks out like a sore thumb in the middle of all the ocean that would be kind of useful 
Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that Optifine, which is, <laughs> for those of you guys who don't know, very, very useful. It's a, a mod, technically, for Minecraft, but it's only a client-side mod, so it's not something that has to be installed onto your server, uh, but is known for basically optimizing the performance of Minecraft even beyond what Mojang themselves do for the game, and it kind of has a bunch of settings that you can toggle, which toggle you know, how often particles and stuff appear and just visual things that add detail to the world of Minecraft but can slow your performance down, can really slow your uh, frames per second and so forth. Uh, they, they set like little things like that on and off. Uh, so this is a, a tool called Optifine and is about 40% done for its 1.13 release. So it is something they have to update with every new version of Minecraft because the way the game is programmed changes so they have to adjust their programming to match that. And yeah, a lot of people, especially with the problems that people have had with performance in 1.13, are really looking forward to Optifine being available so that they can start mm -hmm. playing at 60 FPS again instead of the 30 to 40 range that they're probably getting right now. So, 40 Or even lower. Yes, yes. 40% uh, done is good news for now. It's only been a couple of weeks since 1.13 came out. So we are, you know, living in hope <laughs> that it's going to get done yeah. soon. And my experience with Optifine, I mean, I, I play on a Mac and mm -hmm. it is a new Mac. I mean, it's a year old now, but it's a, it's a new 2017 model. Uh, so it really plays Minecraft quite well. Uh, however, there are still things in the game because Minecraft, um, at least I want to say in, in previous editions in terms of how it was coded, uh, was still not the greatest. So it wasn't necessarily the computer, but the way that the game was coded was a little bit old and it would not really take advantage of new hardware if you had it. And I find that I benefit from running Optifine, even on a brand new machine. And uh, once they do get themselves to 1.13, I do find Optifine is quite quickly, uh, or sorry, quite quick to adapt to like 1.13.1.2, like when that kind of stuff changes, even when little bug fixes come out, uh, it's, it's like a, a day yeah. when they're doing small changes. So they can really stay on top of things. It's just, it's such a huge change. In, in 1.13 that uh, that Optifine probably has to take some extra care, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, be, well, because as we mentioned earlier, like water updates and stuff like that, like that's all new, the way it's all changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of back-end stuff that needs to happen and needs to be corrected from the original version, or in some cases, I imagine, completely rewritten, because that is reportedly what Mojang have been doing with the code for 1.13. Originally, it was going mm -hmm. to be just a technical update, but then they merged it with another update that added all the aquatic features. And so mm -hmm. it's been a huge change all at once, and suddenly everyone's having to scramble to keep up with that. The same is true for Forge, which is the Minecraft modding tool uh, the kind of platform that allows you to attach mods into Minecraft and change the game as you see fit. The, uh, the, the release date for Forge is currently not set, so they're working on it. You know, they've got headers all over their website that say, we are working on 1.13, please don't ask. Uh, <laughs> ah, but uh, nice. yeah, it's, it is one of those things that like the modding community is obviously going to have, a, have to adapt to these changes uh, all, all the more. And because they're, they're trying to you know, basically glue on extra stuff to the basic vanilla game of Minecraft, it's it's definitely going to take a lot of work for that stuff to become compatible again, and all of the mod authors are going to have to work with the new platform and update their mods as well. So people who play mm. modded Minecraft are probably going to have to stick with 1.12 or earlier for the time being until we know more. And when we know more, we will probably end up discussing it right here on this podcast. And speaking of all of the 1.13 updates, uh, I think it's a, a good point to say that I'm I'm just so excited 
about yes. 1.13 and it's i think it's the thing that we should talk about this episode you know yes. as far as the the newest latest greatest i mean we would be remiss if we didn't just dive right in and talk about uh 1.13 and all the different changes and, and, and how it's affecting our games literally so, dive right in in this case yeah <laughs> i was hoping someone would catch that there we go <laughs> uh so i want i want to throw it to you because i'm curious uh having i've updated a world but you've reset the world as you mentioned earlier mm. so starting fresh starting new how is 1.13 treating you it's Pretty incredible, I've got to say. It's I, I actually took a little bit of a hiatus from playing Minecraft, generally speaking. I've been playing a bit of other games here and there. I've been streaming different games. I've been playing different games on my YouTube channel because I had heard about the 1.13 features a while ago. They were first announced back in November of last year, and it took them probably you know eight months or so to actually get into a playable state, even though they were releasing development snapshots the whole time i held off on that stuff i wanted to experience it all kind of as it happened really i only took one or two dips into the content that was coming up in terms of actually playing the game so i had a new lease of life on minecraft anyway i wanted to get back into the game and revisit that kind of creative spirit that the game has something that's always driven me to play minecraft and having new features to explore having the world around me look different especially the oceans it just felt instantly immersive again it felt exciting, it felt new, and there is so much stuff that people have been wanting to add for the longest time. Just more ocean life has been on the wish list since time immemorial, as far as Minecraft goes. And yeah, it's it's very, very exciting. The The new server, the, when you spawn in, you're on an island. We, we picked a seed specifically that we knew had a giant ocean around which we plan to build a bunch of different port towns. So... Nice. We're going to use that ocean a great deal, and it looks beautiful. It really does. Even though we're right next to a cold ocean, so to go find a coral reef, you have to go maybe a thousand blocks or so to the east. It is really nice just seeing the kelp there, the living fish swimming around, you know, all of the stuff growing up from the seabed. It's it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, considering that when you've got an existing server that you've updated you have to go a little bit further afield to find new terrain that hasn't yet been generated in order to find that 1.13 ocean so how has that been for you uh it was a little easier than i anticipated actually we and we also had a little bit of of, of prep um it's an active server but it's active with people that are playing minecraft casually there's mm -hmm. not a lot of hardcore everyday players on the server so we have not explored even in the year that that the citadel has been up we've not explored thousands and thousands of blocks in every direction we basically went far enough to find the things that we wanted ice bikes biome jungle you know and portal uh, and once we've established those things like we really didn't have to go too much farther there was no real desire to go crazy because people were not building um their their main i guess houses or bases apart from each other everybody is basically neighbors uh in this little valley that we have on the server so when we heard that 1.13 was coming out and because that release schedule was so drawn out you knew it was coming for quite some time and i did a little bit of research and, and found out that if the chunks have not been loaded then when you do update to 1.13 even though there could be potential issues with that, you will get the new content in the chunks once you get to them. Mm -hmm. So we basically just made a decision amongst ourselves to say like, all right, well, explore what you have to 
Yeah. But don't really go out of your way to load every chunk in every direction. And you didn't establish have, like a hard world border or anything. You didn't sort of zone no, off a section to say, no, don't go here. No, we just kind of said, look, just don't go thousands and thousands of blocks in every direction. You know, come play, have fun, do what you need. But like, don't don't go flying around. We made the decision, especially after we had Elytra. We was like, okay, look, now that it's really easy to fly a couple thousand blocks in the overworld, let's just... Go with a go with a, a mission or a direction as opposed to um, just flying around, and so essentially what ended up happening by, by pure chance uh, because it's easy easier to navigate I think with our Nether tunnels and stuff. We explored north, south, east, and west in several you know thousand blocks in each direction. Um, what we did not do is any northwest, southeast. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So really all you had to do is just kind of shoot yourself off at a 45 degree angle from, from the main <laughs> hub and you were in new content in no time. Nice. Uh, we, yeah, we lucked out and it's about a five or 600 block trek in the nether to get to our coral reef, mm. which that's a long haul in the nether, but it is a coral reef that is, uh, we haven't even mapped the whole thing. It's a thousand blocks east to west in terms of its size without exaggeration that's, that's i have not figured large. out yeah i have not figured out north to south like and it's so and it sprawls yeah. so even though it's far away we we're not dealing with like a little pocket of a, of a coral reef we've got some new content there so so we're quite happy with it uh i think the biggest change for me with the with the 1.13 update has been the way that water i guess affected all of our existing builds like there's a number of things that just weren't working so for anybody that's out there that you know updated you're expecting some some breakage you're hoping you don't have world corruption and and back-end problems but you kind of anticipate some overworld problems some in-game mechanic changes um so i had to spend quite a lot of time uh fixing some community farms mostly with regards to water streams haven't had any redstone issues. Um, I, one of the bugs that I mentioned earlier, the iron golem thing, it broke our iron farm. So that's, it's not an issue at the moment because we've got a lot of iron stockpiled, but we're currently not producing any new iron. So that will eventually become a problem. Mm-hmm. But then hopefully 1.13.1 drops. If they fix that bug allegedly, then your iron farm goes back to working before you deplete that supply entirely. That's the plan, yeah. Yeah, that's the hope, of course. Right. So uh, yeah. so obviously your farms are breaking, and if they're water stream-based, then that is thanks to the new mechanic that items now float on top of water streams instead of sinking. Yeah, and Even if you, you drop an item in a large body of water like the ocean, or if you, know, you die whilst you're out on the ocean, which is a lot easier to do now, but we'll get to that again a little bit later. Um, <laughs> items will now float to the top of water. They, they have a little bit of inertia to them as they enter the water. So if you throw something, it's not just going to immediately bounce on the surface. It's going to dip down and then the physics will start to slow it and then it will drift back up again, which I think just adds to the immersion of it. It looks really nice. Like there's, there's just something pleasant about watching items just kind of slowly bob back up to the surface and knowing that you're going to be able to retrieve them nice and easily but of course when it comes to flowing water items still react the same way so they bob along the surface of water streams instead of what they used to do which is kind of scraping along the bottom the water would still carry them but they would have some sort of friction you know they would bump up against the stone or whatever it was that you had lining your waterways 
And people used to line them with ice because ice had the physics that would allow them to travel faster. But you don't even really need that now, right? Like, I, I don't know if you've no. had any experience with that. And if they've, if it, ice makes them move even faster, does the physics still apply there? Yeah. So it's it's now incredibly fast mm. uh, to the point where it's almost like I'm I'm worried about items like um, getting outside of load distance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so th th where they float on top of stuff now, the inertia actually hold that you mentioned, which I'm glad you brought up, it holds even when the items are traveling through flowing water. Yeah. Uh, and so they'll, if you've got a water stream that, you know, it, it travels eight blocks, the item will shoot off the end of that eight block stream. <laughs> and if it previously would drop into a hopper, you are honestly going to overshoot that hopper by no less than three blocks. Yeah. And that, and that's with an item on, traveling over a log or a stone yes. waterway. Yeah, yeah. You do need ice uh, in between the uh, the blocks. So if you've got a stream of, of, of eight blocks of water flowing, you need one block of ice with a slab over top of it to place a new water source and continue the stream onward. Mm -hmm. That actually still works the same as it did in 1.12. That hasn't changed. Yeah. Uh, the items will lose their momentum if they just go onto dry land. They won't go a whole block. Yeah. If they go straight horizontally, they'll stop. So you need that one block of compressed ice to keep it moving. Mm -hmm. And uh, compressed... Th there's also a, a brand new ice block in the game which apparently moves things even faster or maybe has less friction to slow items down because blue ice was also added in this update. So I haven't yep. had a chance to play around with that yet, but presumably that can add a little bit of interest to your water streams as well. Maybe if you, you stop a water stream early and then have a couple of blocks of blue ice, then items can just sort of drag along the bottom, you know, stop floating on the top of the water and then just slip right into a hopper on the other side. Could be a way exactly, and that's exactly what I've done. Mm -hmm. uh, I've not used blue ice for this because I actually haven't found a need for it. Like when you line a waterway with ice, with packed, sorry, packed ice, yeah, it is blindingly fast. <laughs> like it'll leave, it'll leave your render distance before you can catch up to it. Yeah. So uh, it's it's been really cool. So if you're if you're moving blocks over large dis distances, or sorry, not blocks, if you're moving items over large distances and you're worried about it despawning in the five minute time limit. This changes that because mm. as long as those chunks are loaded, then you've got no worries whatsoever. Uh, you're going to be able to fire stuff all over the place. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I have not tried blue ice yet because I haven't found a need. Yeah, uh, it's it's just you're moving items at, at breakneck speeds. Um, but I did use that trick where you end the water stream and then put like three blocks of ice because it's not enough to warrant putting in another water stream but you yeah. do want to see if the items continue and they absolutely do that momentum will just can, kind of carry them to the edge of that last ice block and then they'll they'll gently drop into whatever it is that you have there whether it's a hopper or another stream or something like that that's how we um we fix some of the issues with our villager breeder you know how we how we feed them vegetables and stuff yeah uh but yeah i'm what i'm curious about the blue ice um because the wiki describes each um, form of ice as an exponential kind of change. So things will slip on ice, things will slip faster than ice on packed ice, and again, faster than packed ice on blue ice. Mm -hmm. So if you have a long nether trip, I'm thinking blue ice and boats is yeah. going to be just like warp speed. Yes, in, in uh, previous updates, that. that was that was definitely the preferred method of transport in the nether if you wanted to go a long distance, you just put down a row of packed ice, something on either side to stop you from diverting off of it because it's actually quite difficult to stay on a single block wide path of ice. You put down yep. a boat 
and then you row and it goes lightning fast and yep. that's that's the the ideal way it's faster even than you know previously people would use mine carts to get around and sometimes they still do because you can just have a hands-free ride on a mine cart yes. but uh, but boats are definitely somehow the fastest thing to use to travel in the nether despite water not being present in the nether if you use packed ice it's never a problem no exactly uh, so I mean, so that's that's kind of what I've been tackling mostly has been updates from flowing water, water mechanics, that sort of stuff. Uh, has there been anything new in the game for you that stuck out? Uh, I set up a skeleton spawner very early in the new world. I, I found that my mushroom island had a skeleton spawner fairly low beneath the surface. It was only sort of you know twenty blocks or so up from bedrock. So I immediately wanted to rig this up and I came across a couple of problems moving skeletons around because water streams aren't just used to transport items in the game, they're used to transport mobs. And what I found was that the skeletons now move slower because undead mobs will sink in water. Mm. And this is also a mechanic you can use to turn zombies into the drowned, which are a new addition to the game, which are effectively just waterlogged zombies, uh, the sort of <laughs> sailors that have sunk to the bottom of the sea and become sort of like the pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean, where they're all kind of like, you know, flesh hanging off of them and stuff. And, and they've got this vague blue tint to them and glowing eyes. They're really cool looking. But yeah, you, you can't move zombies and skeletons from spawners around as quickly as you used to be able to because they they used to bob up and down on the surface like items now do and it seems mm -hmm. like the items and mobs have just swapped roles and the mobs now yes. now sink in water so moving them around on water streams they're affected by the friction i was talking about earlier and they're a little bit slower so luckily this hasn't affected things to the point where they they won't go into the sort of killing mechanisms that we have for for mob grinders but they they just move a little bit slower and it's it's not something I've done extensive testing on whether or not I can, you know, have them go into a water stream and, like we said, put down some blue ice after that and then they'll slip a little bit faster. I think they'd probably just keep whatever momentum they had so they wouldn't be moving particularly fast anyway. But yeah, there, there is there is a bit of a... Uh, a conflict there from from where we the, the way we used to do things and so I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way of of reconciling those two things and and figuring out how we can move the skeletons through the system a little bit faster because the, the the faster you get your skeletons away from the mob spawner if it's like one of the little spawner cages that you find in the world in dungeons then yep. the, the more skeletons you can spawn because it checks if there's a skeleton within the radius of the spawner before it decides to spawn in another group of them so that improves your mob spawner rates and yeah i've been I've been struggling a little bit with that, but the system I've got so far works and it works reasonably well. So I can farm experience, I can farm bones and arrows and bows for days. But yeah, I just it, it's just a little tweak that I found a little bit concerning at first. <laughs> but now yeah. I think I've got a handle on. And, and it's because I think of the momentum uh, that we mentioned earlier, because uh, if you if you yourself are in a water stream, you'll notice that you will move qu quite quickly in blocks uh, one, two, and three, but then in four, five, and six, you'll move slower. Yeah. And then in block seven and eight, you come to a, a pretty much a grinding halt. It's it's like uh, you've just drifted onto the shore at the beach, you know? Exactly. It's like so exactly, much momentum yeah. until you start to hit the shore. Yeah. So it is taking things longer. I did a quick check on the wiki before the show and uh, packed ice does not affect mobs. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I don't recall what they said about blue ice. I feel like it was the same thing. I would expect that's it when, to be the same. Yeah. yeah. That's when water's involved. Mm -hmm. So the thing that they did mention is that 
uh, mobs will slide on ice when it's bare. So I think part of it is like if you're building a mob spawner where things are meant to fall off the edge down into a giant pit, then having ice around your edge will help mm -hmm. with with mobs as they get close to the edge to with no water to get to slide off basically as like one mob bumps into the other rather than having that block be just a square uh, stone or dirt block if the edge is ice you're probably going to get a little bit of a better rate um but unfortunately because they sink there's the the, the ice just it's just acts it just acts like dirt like mm -hmm. with with mobs it doesn't really change much yeah um the only thing i can think of as far as a mob spawner would be like using like a slime block with a piston to punch them yeah over to one side yeah. real fast but that gets expensive and then you don't know if they're taking damage so that your drop you know your your height of your your drop shaft has to change and yeah. like there's a lot of stuff that gets, that gets in there but little, little technical there's... nitpicks and stuff will just come up yeah. the, whole, the whole time yeah, yeah. yeah. I have seen some cool videos and I'm sorry that I don't have them right here to reference, but I've seen some cool uh, videos where the water stream has nothing underneath of it. Mm -hmm. So eventually the zombies will sink through it and you can use that timing to then specifically drop them in a, in a spot. Okay. Uh, and because there's nothing underneath it, they move at a better rate than they did when there's friction. Yeah. Okay. And baby zombies are so short they fall through the water stream faster so yeah. you can filter out your baby zombies and get your adult zombies farther along the water stream because because of their height they take longer to completely pass through mm -hmm. the water stream suspended by science there's some cool science going on out there but i think it's just it's so early you kind of have to wait for a bunch of testing and, and seeing what works and, and stuff like that but, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah the, the water mechanics across the board are like really cool and then also not i want to say game breaking but they're they're farm breaking in a lot of ways that sort of drive you nuts but at the same time one of the things i like about minecraft is problem solving so they're creating some new problems and you have to say oh well this design that i just followed off of a youtube video now no longer works and i have to come up with my own way to fix it and yeah. i really enjoy that you yeah. know like, i really enjoy that challenge it's like it's like solving a puzzle there's always kind of something else to yeah, yeah. tinker with and they have yeah. actually introduced some stuff regarding the water mechanics which have vastly improved some of the stuff you can do mechanically in the game i'm talking specifically here about bubble columns because Ooh. these are mechanic you can you can tell by how Joel, how excited Joel is these are mechanically one of the best things to happen in Minecraft for a long time and i think the vast majority of people would agree uh, so bubble columns effectively work as like up and down item elevators or mob elevators or player elevators if you want to the the concept is that if you place a magma block or a block of soul sand which you can get both of which you can get in the nether but i think magma now also spawns in the overworld you place this under a column of source blocks of water so like a, a water source block is you know anything that isn't flowing and it will generate a bubble column magma blocks underneath it will drag things down if they're caught in the bubble column and soul sand will lift things up and i saw a lot of people umming and eyeing about like in terms of like the physics of this is that how it should work because surely like the lava the, the magma block is giving off heat and heat rises and the, there are a lot of people confused about it the science of it is actually quite sound because ocean vents that kind of bubble up sort of from the the magma layer of the earth will the, the bubbles actually decrease the density of the water 
is how it works. And so the, the water kind of density is what allows things to float. If you imagine water kind of having a skin on top of it, if you have bubbles constantly rising in it that break that skin, stuff is going to sink into it. So mm, the, the magma block thing physically, like in terms of real world physics, which don't always apply to Minecraft, but it's nice when they do, <laughs> uh, it actually works that way. And soul sand is kind of an exception to that because it's not a substance that exists in the real world. But people have mm. theorized, as they like to do about Minecraft stuff, that soul sand effectively has souls trapped in it it's going to get a little bit dark here folks uh the, because you, you you're get you're getting it in the nether and the, the texture of it has always looked like a bunch of kind of little faces are in it then there yep. are souls trapped in this stuff and placing it under all of this water is kind of the energy that it's putting off is the souls trying to get out and that's what pushes things upwards there's kind of an, an outward energy that this block is exuding when you place it in the world which it doesn't do at any other time so it again it's just the kind of like the theories and the kind of justifications for this stuff that people like to like to make up if it if it helps them understand the mechanics a little bit better but yeah you can use magma blocks to drag things down you can use soul sands to push things up that is the essence of the whole thing and that has allowed my skeleton spawner to push the skeletons up really high very very fast <laughs> which is kind of like the it's the counterpoint to the problem of them getting friction from traveling along the bottom of blocks is that as soon as they reach an upward section they are up there within a second it is not even it is it is very very quickly to move items and mobs up and down in these things i've seen people use them as player elevators if you've got a base that's 40 blocks or so underground you step into a column of water sources with some soul sand at the bottom and you're on the surface within a second or two it is genuinely lightning fast and it solves the problem people had using item elevators before because previously item elevators in minecraft the, the ones that people used efficiently technically were either made of droppers and dispensers which required an awful lot of redstone know-how in order to put together something that would just transmit an item up a single column or mm -hmm. it was based on a glitch essentially it was glitchy behavior it was uh you set up a a kind of uh plus shape of any material really but people used to use glass so they were seeing it and then if you put an item in the middle of that column either via a dispenser or, or something else that kind of shot an item into the middle of it normally the item would try and displace itself out of the block in one of the cardinal directions either sort of north south east or west and if it couldn't do that it would try and displace itself upwards eventually the item would kind of glitch its way up to the top and that's what people used to move items up and down and that in itself is not a behavior you should rely on because technically speaking, it's a bug, right? It's something that mm -hmm. ideally they would want to code out of the game because that's not how items are supposed to work. But when they have tried to code this out of the game previously, the technical community has said, but we use that for almost everything when it comes to item transport. And the redstone involved with the kind of dropper pipe is laggy enough that it limits the amount of stuff we can do technically in Minecraft. So we don't think it's fair for you to patch that out and so the bubble columns are now something that the technical minecraft community can use very easily with the only limitation being that water is sometimes a little bit difficult to control if you haven't got it you know hemmed in it can flow around everywhere and maybe you know flood out your redstone if you're building something around it but the fact that there's now a legitimate way to have an item elevator or a, something that pulls items down to a certain spot is very exciting and it's something i've already used in my sugarcane farm a couple of times already to pull down uh sugarcane from the upper level where it gets kind of cut off 
into a water stream, down using a magma block, and then flows out to a hopper storage chest where I can contain the whole thing. And it works beautifully. It's a brilliant mechanic. Yeah, I really enjoy the player elevator aspect of this. Mm. We we have a an Enderman farm in the end, which is built at like Y equals four or three or yeah, as so low as it can right get. Right at the bottom of the world, basically. Yeah. So you've got you've got a vertical translation from the main end on about seventy blocks to get to get down there, and uh, that's a long ladder. Uh, it's a, I mean, we didn't fill it in, so it's a dangerous ladder. Like it's something that you can fall <laughs> off of. Yeah. Um, and and forget the void. If you fall off of this, even if you just hit the ground, you're still probably going to take a Splat. lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah. So when what we did was, um, we I say we me, uh, we built two elevators, um, just an up and a down. Uh, there are designs out there where you can do like block swapping and have one column do both soul sand and um magma block for up and down depending on how how you want to do that and we've got those on the server too but this one i just thought for speed and just you don't want to think you just keep to the right and go either down or up depending on which way you're going and it is not only fast but fun yes the fun part is seriously underrated as well (laughs) exactly like forget the fact that uh you know Nowhere in Minecraft has everybody said, I'm having a lot of fun going up and down this ladder, ever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and you you thoroughly enjoy it. It's, it's, it takes a little while to travel 60 or 70 blocks, but not so long that you get bored. Mm-hmm. It It is something that, uh, you don't because of the bubbles, you don't have to worry about drowning because you, you actually get air from the bubbles, yes. which is kind of a cool a cool feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, sh- you pop out the top kind of excitedly. Uh, it's very easy to control at the bottom. All you need to do is put signs or a pressure plate or a door um, or something, something that's not going to let water through when you open it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that I'm not sure how that's going to work once they eventually allow you to waterlog doors. But, uh, so, but right now there's a couple of designs and we actually, I've managed to come up with a really slick design where it's just a pressure plate and a, and a, um, iron trap door and that's it. Mm -hmm. So it, it looks really, really clean. Uh, and, uh, I think the, the item transportation thing we use a lot of those glass elevators yeah and the the one of the reasons that they're made out of glass or something unique is because as you're mining one of the worst things that you can do is is cut a block out of these elevators because one block in those old glitchy um item elevators would break them yeah and that happened to me i i have uh, a base on my server near a swamp there's a slime farm i was digging out i was finding all kinds of stuff coal and diamonds and redstone and i had a water stream and i had an item elevator and it was going back to my bulk storage and somewhere there was one block missing mm-hmm. out of that elevator all of it disappeared yeah i went back to my bulk storage and it was like i i mean i had to dig it out anyway it wasn't like i needed all that stone but some of that precious stuff i would have really had liked to have and it all just ended up glitching out the side of a block and despawning somewhere in a cave because i i missed like one section yeah when i built it up because I was lazy and I didn't build it out of glass. I just, I used cobble or something like that. So I was like, you know, having something now where it's very distinctly a water stream that you're using to shoot items up. If you're mining underground looking for stuff and you hit a water stream, you obviously know someone's water elevator and yeah. you have to patch it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's, it, it solves a bunch of problems at once. Uh, and I think to the benefit of Minecraft, uh, the uh, the item elevators that that I mentioned as well. Usually, what you do at the top of those, you would collect items with a hopper. Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, hoppers yeah. now have a bounty box that follows the shape of the hopper, as opposed to just a square box. 
Mm -hmm. which is great because it means that you can click in between them, which is <laughs> yeah, you can way move, easier. You can click around onto a block that's like off to the side slightly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it means that items on these glitchy elevators would just sit under the hopper as opposed to on top of it. Mm. So you've got to put a water stream at the top of your of your old item elevator anyway. You might as well just change them to water streams. Yeah, yeah. And the thing I think that absolutely sells the bubble columns for me is that they're intuitive. They are easily understandable. The thing about those old plus-shaped item elevators where it's just a solid block of stuff is that the game doesn't automatically suggest to you that you should do that. That's something yes. that people have had to figure out through experimentation and yep. sort of game-breaking testing. And now that there's something intuitive, for people like me who are not really that technically minded and don't spend time exploring that stuff, and I don't watch a lot of kind of discoveries within the technical minecraft community because generally speaking i prefer building but it was almost like a barrier to entry i kind of went well i i don't know why i should have to build this thing that is effectively relying on a glitch to transport my items and it's something that i never really did because that's the kind of stuff i can't troubleshoot if it's a, a game mechanic that you're relying on to work a certain way then i can understand it better if it's something the game just does already like the bubble columns mm -hmm. the, the magma columns being out there in the world they generate as part of oceans now you can see them in action before you even try it and yeah. the soul sand thing you kind of have to know about because it doesn't generate naturally in the world but the idea is already there it's planted in your head that oh this is a thing that drags stuff down so maybe i can use that to my advantage instead of having to figure out you know this is a square of glass that you know pipes items upwards because it glitches through them it's yeah it, it feels like it's an in-world solution to thing and i love that it doesn't kind of break the immersion it, it it allows you to forget that you're playing a game and in this you're just kind of playing with the physics of the world as the world provides it to you i think that's yes, a lot yeah. better of a solution you're using minecraft to move things not java yeah. yes exactly yeah exactly uh i do find the magma blocks a little bit slow on the pull down it's a much slower trip down now you could just have a water drop that would be the fastest way to get down and that's been in the game forever yeah um but it, if you really want to have two water columns next to each other or use the same one with a block swapper just be aware that the the trip down is usually a little bit more calming yes <laughs> than, and, the, than the trip up and and you have to shift at the bottom you have to crouch to make sure that you don't take damage uh, from the magma block yeah, is the that, other that's thing. right that's, that's, that's so that's that's what people uh, are falling foul of lately is just taking a little bit of damage as they walk out their elevator and sometimes that little bit of damage makes all the difference yeah well as a builder uh which you just mentioned there are a number of new blocks that came out with with 1.13 and i'm curious what do you feel are your favorites so far so i've not built much with coral at all but coral actually has two states. So as it exists in water, it is bright and colorful, the kind of thing you expect coral to be from the real world. But They're then beautiful. you have to place them in water or near water. They have to have water touching one of the six faces of the block. Six faces? Yeah, six faces. That's a cube. I'm <laughs> it's a <laughs> sometimes I have to check, you know, because sometimes th things in Minecraft often have like multiples of eight and 16 and things like that. And like a full stack of items is 64. Yeah. So I get used to working in like base four and base eight. And I'm thinking six, is that the number of sides a cube has? <laughs> yes. It's Monday. Math is hard. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But then, uh, yeah, if, if you, you have to have water touching one of the six faces of a uh, coral block in order for it to stay that color. 
and if you don't have water touching it, it reverts to a dead state and it cannot be revived. The dead state of these is grey, and naturally any grey blocks in the game are going to look better when paired with other types of stone. And so now we have, there are five different types of coral block that you can mine from coral reefs in the world, and each of them has a dead variant that retains the same texture but is grey, and these look fantastic for detailing buildings. You build like a stone wall and it can have all of these details in it now, like stone walls in the real world do, because stone walls, generally speaking, are not just flat sheets of stone. They've got kind of pock marks and things, just little imperfections in the stone. You can apply mm -hmm. so much more of that with these dead coral blocks. Suddenly we've got five new stone blocks to play with, basically. The same is true yeah. of like paths and stuff like that. You can make it look like a path is well-worn and has different kind of trails and stuff leading through it with a little bit of extra detail. You don't spam it everywhere, you just pepper it in. And mm -hmm. people used to do this already with things like andesite and gravel, just to give the wall a little bit more of a texture. I think the coral blocks are fantastic. The other great thing is having prismarine stairs and slabs which are something that, like, stairs and slabs for blocks which don't already have stair and slab variants is something the community has wanted for a while and is reportedly something that they plan to add more of in forthcoming updates because some of the technical behind-the-scenes stuff that went into the 1.13 update removed the hard limit they had previously on the number of blocks they could code into the game. So they've had to recode some stuff to remove that limit and now they can add whatever they want into the game again. So now there's the potential to have stairs and slabs, which means more detailed uses of those blocks. You can have a staircase made out of prismarine, where previously prismarine was only available in block form and it, it, it wouldn't look like a smooth staircase or have the mechanic of being able to just run smoothly up it. Just having, having that option for building is, is amazing. I haven't actually gotten around to using them yet, but that's because I haven't built all that much. I've just done the sugarcane farm and a storage area so far. But once I get hold of a decent supply of prismarine, I am making so many stairs and slabs, Joel, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I'm excited for, for prismarine, especially for roofs and things like that. Mm -hmm. like I, I have some ideas for, for um, uh, Chinese or Japanese or Asian yes. culture type builds, and I think it would look really good in that, dark, that way. Dark and... prismarine just looks like roof shingles. It always yeah. has. And yeah. now that there are stair and slab variants, it's perfect for that kind of style. Yeah, I've been holding off. We've got a, a plan for a wizard tower with a bunch of brewing stations underneath it, mm. kind of as our as our server community, like um, crazy brew stations. If you need <laughs> stuff, just go get it. Love me and, a wizard um, tower. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I might I might be looking for some inspiration from, from, from <laughs> one chunk builds uh, when the time comes. But, uh, but yeah, I've been holding off on that because it's like I, I want to have something different. I don't want it to look like everything else we've already built. Mm -hmm. So uh, having these new blocks is going to be it's going to be really exciting for that. Uh, I I'm curious because uh, I've not messed with dead coral. I've collected some some coral blocks, fans and and corals, but I've not messed around with the dead coral. Are they all the same color gray, the same shade of gray with different textures, or do they go like light and dark? Because for example, blue would have a darker tone than yellow if you converted it to black and white. They're quite well shaded, but that's mainly just for the pattern on them. I don't think they really have right. like a range of. There's not kind of like slight tints to any of them. They all do. Right. So they adopt light gray a, versus dark gray. Yeah, like a, they they have a, a fairly uniform stone color. So the kind right. of stone range you're getting from a block like stone brick, you know, there's not one that's mm. super dark and one that's super light, which in a way makes them more versatile because you can sort of put them anywhere. But I can see how a yeah. little bit of variation 
might be good. And that's something that people can introduce on their own in resource packs if they want to as well. If they so, want to, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, that's true. I'm, the reason why I ask is because I find that there's such a stark difference with so much of the stuff that's like light gray and dark gray on, on default Minecraft are miles apart in yes. terms of one next to the other. And so that's good that, I mean, if they're medium, that I means it makes the most sense because it means that when you put in your yellow dead coral, it's not going to stand out like a beacon, like a piece of diorite wood or, or, you know, or something that's much lighter. Um, like for example, a uh, light gray concrete powder is very bright yeah. compared to regular stone and things like that, which is good if that's what you want it for. But if you're just trying to add some texture and you don't necessarily want it to be distracting, then, then having those coral blocks kind of blend in would be, would be good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 1.13 has also introduced a lot of new mobs into the game. Now, previously, there were, you know, hostile and passive mobs and, and occasional utility mobs like iron golems or snow golems. But recently, they've kind of started adding in things which are kind of more ambient mobs, I would suppose. The, things like polar bears, which don't really have a a purpose. You know, they're, they're a little bit hostile if you attack them, obviously. But... Largely speaking, they don't, they don't have any new drops. They don't have they they, they would just drop fish. They're, they're the kind of things that, generally speaking, they just added a little bit more life to the world if you found them. Which a lot of people kind of had the complaint with polar bears that they're so few and far between, and players don't spend a huge amount of time in snowy biomes. They wouldn't really encounter them all that much. But now 1.13 has added so much ocean content. It's also added new ocean life, including fish that are just swimming around. Uh, let's see, there are turtles, there are dolphins, things like that. And they, they each have a kind of mechanic attached to them. Have you, have you had a chance to play around with any of those? Cause I know you have to go a little bit further out to get your, your ocean content. Uh, only in the ambience that they add. So when you're swimming around a coral reef and you've got tropical fish and dolphins that are chirping and swimming around and jumping into the water, it just kind of adds to the immersion of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have to deal with some drowned when I was collecting sea pickles. Ah, now we, we're getting we're getting into hostile territory now. Yeah, but... so it's less of the passive stuff, more of the hostile stuff. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I find, there's a, I don't want to say imbalance, but there is a, a distinct difference with your experience with a drowned, depending on whether or not they have a trident. <laughs> yes, if, if they have a trident, if, you are going to die. It, they are rough. Like it mm. is... You know, it, it takes like two hearts. Well, I mean, because to get to my coral reef, I usually have elytra on, so I don't have a chest plate. Uh, and I wear iron armor, which we'll get into some other day. Mm-hmm. But so essentially, if I take a, a, a trident to the face, uh, it's like two hearts. Yeah. Even with, you know, uh, some armor on. So you're like, okay, I, I can't deal with this guy because he's attacking me from 20 blocks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to either get to him and and take him out or or it's kind of a, a lot of run and jump sort of situation or get in the boat and run away uh the flip side is that the regular drowned are i want to say almost easier than zombies because <laughs> they're in water so they're even slower yes uh so there's not they they tend to mob you they're te- there i find that there are more like you'll get attacked by a zombie or two on land mm-hmm. you'll get attacked by five drowned if you're especially <laughs> if you're near like an underwater ruin or something yes so you can get kind of surrounded quite quickly uh, but it is incredibly fun to kill them. They make the funniest gurgly underwater <laughs> yeah. growl the, the, when done, you hit them. They've done such a good job on the sounds for this update as well. Just very that, cartoony. Yeah, yeah, and and it it does just sound like a zombie thing, but 
underwater and just kind of like yeah. as though you're like yeah. when you when you duck your head in a pool and try and talk. It's it's exactly that, but for a zombie. In the same way that when they introduced different noises for zombie villagers, they they kind of merged the har noise that villagers make with the zombie growl and just kind of gave it a exactly yeah. But the the drowned. They add that ambience themselves, even like watching three or four of them, like you said, just rising up from the depths towards you is yeah. kind of a frightening experience, even if ultimately they are a little bit dopey when they swim towards you. And now now we have the ability to swim. Movement in water is a little bit faster, I think, even without depth strider enchantments on your boots. So yes. you can escape them pretty easily, like you said, unless one of them's got a trident, in which case you're going to get hammered repeatedly until you reach the surface and try and hop onto land. Uh, the other thing about the Drowned that I find kind of interesting is their attachment to these underwater ruins. Like, they, they've, they've clearly got some sort of story going on there where it's, mm. it's like a Drowned village would uh, a village might spawn on the surface the 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 drowned villages they look different they've got different blocks included in them they've got like treasure chests and stuff in there so it's not necessarily that they are people who have gone out to sea on a ship and then drowned it's more like they've actually got these little settlements down there and maybe the world itself has flooded or something like that it's 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 in adding interesting lore and kind of you can speculate about that stuff it's it's really neat and they they add a lot of uh, visual interest, you know, because mm. you find them speckled amongst uh, basically anything, not just coral reefs. There's more of them, I feel like, in coral reefs, just anecdotally. But I find that just traveling over new ocean, it's never boring because you're going to have shipwreck here. You're going to have uh, underwater ruin yeah. uh, over there. Uh, ocean monuments, as we mentioned earlier, look really cool. So like there, there's, there's just more visual interest structurally to the bottom uh, of the ocean which I think is really cool. The, with the drowned, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it would benefit from them being somehow stronger or more deadly or something like that. Like I just, it's, I almost want the game to be a little bit harder. Yeah. Not necessarily the trident guys, but but the the regular drowned. Uh, I'm not sure. Although I have to say, I'm I'm gonna have to look closer the next time I'm fighting one because I do feel like they surround you, and I don't know whether that's just happenstance or yeah. whether they really do surround you on purpose yeah i'd have to i'd have to kind of like sit and kind of wait and see what happens uh because i've i've never seen just one when i'm in open ocean if yeah. i'm being attacked i'm being attacked by between three and five yeah you get mobbed you get mobbed and i think maybe if they like inflicted a bit of slowness on you or something like that as though they were kind of oh, dragging you yeah. down with them that that might mm. be a, a way of balancing them a little bit that doesn't necessarily give them more damage because I, th I think the problem they have whenever they add a new hostile mob is balancing it against either new players, players who are like absolutely fresh, new to the game, it's their first time playing Minecraft, and they're running into all this stuff that kills them before they know how to defend themselves, yeah, and then true. presenting a challenge to more experienced players. There's always going to be a bit of a... It's why they removed killer rabbits, which were like one-of-a-kind rabbits that would spawn in a world randomly, wherever rabbits could spawn. And then, like, as a reference to the Monty Python movie, one of them would just be, like, a murderous rabbit with red eyes that would do a ton of damage to you. They had to take <laughs> I those... I didn't know this. They, they had to take those out of the game. You can only spawn them in using, kind of, server commands now because they were just too powerful and they would absolutely wreck players who had just spawned into an area where rabbits were fairly right. common. So if you, if you spawn next to a dark oak forest, normally they've just got little rabbits hopping around but you could end up in a kind of death loop where every time you respawned the same rabbit just ended up killing you again it was just too right. too powerful and too random to 
you know, have that be a, a mechanic that was staying in the game. So yeah. they've, they've got the the newer players in mind. You've just got to know to be careful when you're stepping into an ocean that there is more threatening stuff out there that you, you mm. need to know how to avoid or you learn very quickly and then you're not yeah. respawning directly in an ocean so you don't get that death loop kind of thing going on. Speaking, well, uh, speaking of going in, <laughs> yeah, going in, going in, respawning next to a drown with a trident would have that effect. It would, it would, and and it's still it's still very possible to do that if if you have the spot where your where your bed is gets surrounded by mobs or something like that, then that's that's going to be difficult. Yeah. But but the 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 drowned are going to be fun now that everybody has ideas for underwater bases. They're also going to have to have ideas for repelling the drowned. Um, the the other thing I wanted to touch on quickly was another mod they've added in the in the 1.13 update, which is phantoms. And phantoms are, goodness me, they're fun, <laughs> but they they add something very different to the dynamic of the game. The these were actually a mob that people voted on during Minecon 2017. There was a live stream that happened, and they took Twitter polls for four different mobs that they had ideas for. One of them was going to make it in the game and the other three would get discarded. And ultimately people voted for phantoms, which are these kind of almost ray-like creatures, almost like manta rays, but they spawn in the night sky when you haven't slept for three days. So each day you don't sleep, it adds a number to the counter. And once the counter gets high enough, phantoms start to spawn and will swoop down at you and attack you. They kind of bite you and then drift back up into the air and then swoop down at you again. So if you're good at ranged combat, you can sort of fire at them from a distance, but they tend to fly quite high up, so it's a little bit difficult. And then if you rely on melee combat, you have to wait for them to get really close, like just about to attack, before you can hit them with the sword. So the attacks are quite difficult to time, and they can be a real menace if you're not prepared for them. This obviously emphasizes the need to make a bed as soon as you've spawned into the world. So if you're new, you have three days in which to make a bed, otherwise you have to deal with phantoms. So it it adds an interesting kind of element to that. And I found that, you know, it, it's usually possible to make a bed fairly quickly. There are usually sheep nearby your spawn area that once you can kill three of them or get some shears and shear the wool, you can make a bed. It no longer becomes a problem. But then that in itself has a kind of knock-on effect for the game, especially if you're playing on a server because... I think mm. you can just like hop into a bed and then hop out again and that resets the time since you last slept. You just kind of hop into the bed but then immediately click leave bed or hit escape or whatever you do to to hop back out again. The night doesn't skip forward, but technically speaking, you've rested in a bed, so you've slept, you've set a spawn oh. point. And that should get rid of the phantoms, in theory. Uh, the The other solution to that is to have have it skip the night entirely and if you're playing on a bunch on a server where there's a bunch of other people and either they can't sleep or they've you know gone afk for some reason then you, you're basically stuck you have you'd have to deal with the phantoms otherwise so it's, it's it's interesting finding that balance on the server i play on we have a one player sleeping mechanic so one player regardless of what the other players are doing on the server can sleep in a bed and that will skip the night so phantoms no longer a problem for anyone but then that in itself has ramifications for the rest of the game because by sleeping in a bed and skipping through the night, you also reset the weather cycle in Minecraft, which means you don't get any rain, you don't get any thunderstorms. And thunderstorms and rain are vital for a couple of other things. Thunderstorms are the only environment in which skeleton horses can be spawned. And skeleton horses right. now have the mechanic that they're undead mobs, so they sink and you can use them to travel underwater on a horse. 
<laughs> oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So That's awesome. So the but the problem is because everybody's sleeping all the time, you don't get thunderstorms. And and so phantoms have kind of made skeleton horses much more scarce because thunderstorms happen less frequently. So I think now we, what we've done is we've coded it in our data pack that allows one player to sleep at a time uh, that it doesn't affect the weather cycle. So the weather cycle remains as it is. Ah, and so we still cool. get rain and storms. Although being a YouTube server, we kind of prefer to skip through rain and storms because it's harder yep. to record during those. <laughs> it's it's nicer yep. to record when there's kind of bright weather and so forth. But yeah, it, it just kind of changes mechanics like that. And the other thing, if you ha we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about tridents another time because we are running a little long here. But uh, if you have a trident with a riptide enchant, when it rains, you can use that to travel through the air. But again, if it's not raining then you don't get the chance to use that and you can only use it in water. The same with the channeling enchantment, which you can use to have lightning strike something when it's a storm. So you can make charged creepers that way by remotely striking creepers with lightning if you have a trident and channeling. But again, that requires you'd have storms and that requires people not to sleep and reset the weather cycles. So phantoms, yeah. in effect, have more of an effect on the game than just being a hostile mob. They've actually forced players to think a little bit more about the mechanics of the game and when they can when they can use them when when they can actually have that stuff apply yeah and our server has been up for a little over a year so everybody's kind of end game ready yeah uh so we never really bothered with sleeping through the night unless it was absolutely needed like somebody was working in a dark area or you know building a farm or something like that and so we never bothered with trying to get everybody to sleep it, it would come up once in a while but not very often I've noticed, obviously, since the update that there's a lot more conversation about, like, do you have a bed with you? Yep. Can, can you we, log off like, so I can sleep? Yeah. Can you can you pop into the nether so I can sleep real quick yeah, or yeah. something like that? Because uh, as soon as that third night comes around, when the uh, ring wraith inspired scream <laughs> from from the phantoms starts to happen, uh, you're like, OK, new mob, how hard can it be? I got news for you. These things are akin to the trident. They it's not as not as strong, but they're they're not wimps. Mm -hmm. and they're faster than you they can yes. fly faster than you they can fly faster than you can run the only safe thing is to either dig underground or go into a house uh even going underwater doesn't help yeah they actually dive they dive under the ocean which i thought was very interesting mm. um so like it, it i am enjoying the new mechanic for now ask me in a month whether i'm sick of it <laughs> yeah. uh so we've been toying with the idea of adding a data pack to the server and implementing the one player sleep uh, but we have not done it yet because we're just like, well, is it? We, we're not thinking about it as, as cheaty. We're thinking about it as like, well, let's just see how, how we all adapt to this. Uh, yeah. We have added a couple of new players lately. There's a lot of mining going on, so they don't care about night or day. Yeah. So it's really difficult right now to get everybody to sleep at the same time, even when there's just two or three of you on, because ultimately someone is in a mine miles from a bed. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have to figure out exactly what, what that might mean. And as, and as you said, you know, if you're doing any kind of YouTube content or streaming, then it does get a little bit tricky. Sometimes it's nice to be able to just, you know, bring it back to daytime so you can see what you're doing. And mm -hmm. so viewers can see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My my other beef with phantoms is that, like I said, I, I have a mushroom island where normally hostile mobs do not spawn. Phantoms are the exception to this because if you're above oh, surface right. level in any biome, regardless of where it is, phantoms are going to spawn if you don't sleep. And that has made mushroom islands potentially a hostile environment, which they weren't before. So it's it's interesting. And I it remains to be seen whether or not they adjust that in future to make mushroom islands completely safe again. 
I don't know if they're going to do that. I think it's it's an interesting discussion that's possibly taking place. And also, yeah. phantoms won't spawn if you're under sea level. So sea level in the game is Correct. Y64. So if you go underground, if you go below that, even if you're standing on a block below that, they won't spawn in the air and attack you. So all I have to do is just hop down into the hole where my storage area is and I'm I'm safe. I can walk away from the computer if I had to and nothing would happen. But nice. yeah, it is it is kind of a strange exception to the rule of Mushroom Islands being completely safe that you do still get phantoms. So yeah, that, that remains to be seen how long that affects you for. They also drop an item called Phantom Membrane if you're lucky enough to kill one of these things, which you can brew into a potion of slow falling. So slow falling is a new effect that's been added into the game and allows you to just fall from any height as long as you're not falling for longer than the effect of the potion because I think they brew for maybe like a minute and a half worth of effect and I think four minutes if you add some redstone to the to the potion and you won't take any fall damage whatsoever like we had a guy on the server you know pillar about 30 blocks up a height which would normally kill you if you didn't have any kind of feather falling enchantment on your boots uh, but yeah he took a potion just fell really slowly touched down without a single thing of full damage it, it just it stops you from increasing the speed at which you fall basically so you don't gain momentum as you fall so you just fall at a steady rate touch down and you can walk away and that's brand new for 1.13 so that's going to be interesting i'm not certain how often you will see those being used but i have an idea for like a a parkour course like an obstacle course that you need to have a potion of slow falling to make certain jumps oh yeah because it will allow you to kind of drift a little bit further than you would yeah. otherwise uh, almost in a kind of mario tanuki suit kind of way where you're just kind of gliding down into it so nice. i'm i'm considering making something like that not something i have a huge amount of experience with designing kind of obstacle courses and mini games and stuff but i i'm thinking about giving that a go this time around right on the the, the use that comes to my mind is the ender dragon fight yeah absolutely because the ender dragon will knock you into the air at a moment's notice it's very difficult to come away from that without taking a ton of damage or straight up dying and mm -hmm. you know previously people could very quickly place a water source if they had a bucket of water on their hotbar then they can just drop it on the ground as they're about to land but that's very tricky to do requires really precise timing and if for whatever reason the server lags out slightly or your mouse finger isn't quite quick enough then you're dead so yeah i can see slow falling potions being pretty useful for the dragon fight also if you happen to like fall off the world in the end where you're just going to fall into the void you can give yourself a little bit more time to throw an ender pearl back onto the land it, that was what i was going to say is ender pearl timing becomes a little bit easier especially if you're a player yeah potentially but uh I, i've yet to see a situation in which that has happened because people don't think like oh i'm a drinker potion of slow falling just as by default and if you're drinking it on the way down you're already falling fast enough that i'm not sure it would save you so interesting yeah, to see we, we'll we'll see how popular those become there's also side note here there's also another potion that they've added where if you brew it with a turtle shell helmet you get this turtle master potion i don't know if you've actually seen i <laughs> no. i i hadn't even found out about these until we were doing research for this very podcast i didn't know this existed but if you put a turtle shell into a potion in a brewing stand, it will give you a potion of Turtle Master, <laughs> which gives you slowness four, but resistance <laughs> three. So oh, effectively, you become the slowest thing in the world, 
but you have like three extra layers of defense. Almost like I think the highest resistance you can get from a beacon is resistance two, uh, ah. which which kind of grants you a little bit of extra defense, a bit of extra armor. So a turtle master potion is the portable version of that, I suppose, the portable potable version, but is also attached to this like ball and chain, literally a ball and mm. chain icon. <laughs> it's like slowness effect. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if anybody ever uses that because I can't think of a situation where, you know, having protection, diamond armor and everything like that would not be enough. And you also had to apply resistance three on top of that with the drawback of being incredibly slow when you move. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if that's a thing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm thinking like maybe when you're raiding a, like a, an ocean monument, maybe. maybe. Yeah. It, like, like if, uh, it's almost like you want to it's you'd want to use it in conjunction with friend you know like it's almost like in in an mmo where like you've got a tank yeah you become right? you become right. a turret you, be, you become the turret you know like you you just need to get up close to something before you take it but then so then i guess moving around is a problem i was thinking again dragon fight you know someone could stay close to the the altar in the middle and just hit the dragon when when it lands and if you've got strength potions and this resistance potion this this turtle master thing the only trick, of course, is that you'd have to be able to get out of the way of the dragon breath, and I don't know whether the resistance would be enough to protect you yeah. in the speed at which you move. So I, yeah, I don't, I, I really don't know. I don't know if sacrificing maneuverability is worth the increase in defense. I, I yeah. so much of the way I play Minecraft requires on being more maneuverable and getting out mm -hmm. of the way of whatever's about to attack me. I spend half of my time running away, <laughs> but that is because I'm a builder. I'm a scaredy cat. That just comes naturally to me. Whereas, yeah, if people are more inclined towards combat and just tanking it, then maybe that might be worth a try for you. I don't know. Give it yeah. give it a try it, and l yeah. let us know if you have good results with them. Yeah, it could also be more of a PB PvP thing because yes. I, I don't do PvP at all. Yeah, that's that's potentially. Yeah, but but again... So much of that relies on maneuverability that I wonder if, you know, if somebody sees you drinking a potion like that, they just back off and shoot you with a bow and then you can't reach them. I, I, I don't I don't know if it's if it's worth the sacrifice, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. We will see. Right. Well, I, I think we have we have talked for nearly an hour and a half at this stage. So we are <laughs> we are definitely coming up on time, if not having gone a little bit over. So we're going to leave it there. There is still so much to talk about in Minecraft 1.13, which I'm sure we will get to in later episodes. There's going to be more mechanics to explore. We haven't even talked about conduits and sea pickles and all of this other stuff, but I think for now we'd better nip it in the bud there. So that wraps up an episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you for tuning in for our inaugural episode. Let us know how we did, because we're excited to hear from you guys. Much like the show itself, the online presence for the show right now, things like social media accounts, a website and so forth, are very much a work in progress. It's Minecraft, so we're, we're building them. You know, we're, we're working out a block <laughs> palette for things. But uh, yeah, for now, we have a couple of ways that you can get in touch. And by the time this goes out, we should have set up our Patreon page. Now, if you're getting some value out of this show, if it's something you like to you know, put in the background while you're playing Minecraft yourself or something you listen to on your commute and you're happy for the entertainment, then please consider putting a little value back into the show. Obviously, this is completely up to you, but we really appreciate it. And pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat where you can chat with Joel and I about all things Minecraft or anything else you feel like getting in touch with. So you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to check it out and join the community. And of course, even if you can't afford to support us financially, there are plenty of other ways to show your appreciation for the show. 
You can email us at thespawnchunks at gmail.com and tell us what you think of 1.13. Specifically, if you've got something like your favorite new block or your favorite new mechanic, I'd love to hear about that. Uh, iTunes reviews are one of the best ways that the show can reach new listeners, especially for a new podcast. So if you are using iTunes and you'd like to pop over there and give us a review, that would be very much appreciated. And also word of mouth. If you're liking what you're hearing, just tell a friend, especially if they're a Minecraft player. I'm sure they will get a lot out of it, and hopefully you will too. The music for the show was composed by me, and will probably change with each episode until we settle on a permanent theme. The music is still a bit of a work in progress. My name is Pixel Riffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I have a Minecraft survival guide series aimed at beginners and people who want a refresher course on the new updates to Minecraft. And my multiplayer Let's Play series, Decidedly Vanilla, is on that channel as well. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap. Hermitcraft is one of the best known YouTube Minecraft servers, and you can find that through a quick YouTube search. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where these days I'm mostly working on larger Minecraft projects for my YouTube series, but I play other games from time to time. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. So please get in touch and let me know if you like the show. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online can be found at joelduggan.com. Uh, that's also the home of my illustration and design portfolio. So if you're looking for illustration work or some commissions, I'm available for that kind of stuff. You can just reach out and email me there. You may also like The Citadel Cafe and Comics Coast to Coast. They are two other podcasts that I've been doing for, wow, years now. Citadel Cafe is about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, and Comics Coast to Coast is an interview show where myself, Brian Dunaway, and Matthew Ducharme interview comic creators, illustrators, and animators. For Minecraft content and more, you can follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all just my name, Joel Duggan. And I have a new episode of my Minecraft Let's Play series coming out later today. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Punch trees and try not to die.